0: chapter 58 i'm going to read one verse of scripture there isaiah 58 and 12 isaiah 58 and 12 thank you so much for your faithfulness to the house of god on a wednesday night amen i believe that i have a word for you from the lord the scripture said and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the great grace of God. And I'm asking the next few moments as I endeavor to preach what you've laid on my heart for tonight, Lord, that you allow the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God just to step into this place and take over, Lord. And I'm asking you to do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? amen? Amen. You may be seated. The nation of Judah and the city of Jerusalem were conquered and carried into Babylonian captivity in 606 B.C. That terrible event happened because they failed to keep their covenant with God. Now there were there were a lot of reasons for the judgment that came upon the people of God. They were involved in all kinds of idolatry and immorality. However, the breach between Israel and God began long before open sin found its way into their lifestyle. 2nd Chronicles chapter 36 and verse twenty-one points back to the foundation of the judgment of God, and it tells us that to, Jeremiah is prophesying or to fulfill the word of Jeremiah, our word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah. I'll get it right in a minute. Until the land had enjoyed her sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. What that scripture is telling us that whenever The captivity of Israel, when they're taken into Babylonian captivity, would last until the land of Israel had enjoyed all the Sabbath years that they had skipped. Seventy years worth of rest for the land. Now, in order to understand the significance of that, you have to understand a little bit about the land Sabbath that God instituted in the law. God commanded Israel to let the land rest every seventh year. And when Israel failed to do that, she opened the door to evil and greed and oppression. The law of the land of Sabbath freed every Israelite from their debts every seven years. That prevented the downward spiral that would lead to destitution and and those that would be forever broken. That endless cycle of of selling land and regaining it every seven years served as a check and a balance to keep the rich from taking advantage of the poor. It also provided those with financial difficulties a chance every seven years to start all over again. To begin fresh and to begin new, and it eliminated the rich from forming monopolies over the poor. It was an ingenious method of governing a nation. At the end of every seven land Sabbaths, or every 50 years, there was mandated a year of Jubilee. And in that year, that's when the ownership of all the lands reverted back to their original owners. Because of that, the price of land when it was sold was determined on the basis of how many years it was until the year of Jubilee. Its value was derived from the expected harvest between the time of purchase and the year of Jubilee. If it was 12 years, then there'd be 12 years of harvest, although the field has to rest every seventh year. And so there would be six years, a a break, and then Uh, you know, five more years before you're 12 years up. And you would calculate the price of the land based on the expected harvest in those years. And so 11 years of harvest would be the price of the land. Because of that, it it promoted a good work ethic. If you bought the land, you wanted to get the full value of the land because you knew when the time came, you were going to lose the land again. And the only thing you were going to have is whatever profit you made. Right, if you bought it for thirty-six thousand, and thirty-six thousand was the expected income off the land, you can just do the math yourself. If you don't have a bumper crop one year, you break even. So they worked hard. They were industrious. They they endeavored to put a good crop in the ground and endeavored to work it, and 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 it made them a a people with a good work ethic. It promoted industry. It promoted effort. It promoted a uh, hard work, and and the land was viewed more as as real, uh, not viewed as real estate, but was regarded as a source of food, a source of sustenance, and its value was based upon its ability to produce. There weren't any people who owned huge tracts of lands and passed them down from generation to generation. The land was evenly divided when the Israelites came into the promised land. And every 50 years, it was supposed to go back to its owner. If Israel had kept God's plan, eventually their nation would have known no poverty and every person would have been a product of of that work ethic and would have been a productive part of society the problem is they broke god's law if you count backwards from the year that captivity began in 606 bc and you count seven years for each of the 70 sabbaths that god declared had to be fulfilled you find that the breach of God's law began way, way back in the first year that King Saul was king over Israel. And if you'll remember, the people wanted a king so they could be like other nations. They were ruled by God, and they, they looked around at the other nations, and they came to the prophet of God, and they said, give us a king so we can be like other nations, so we can be like everybody else, so that we can we can fit in, if you will. Amen? But apparently they wanted a king also so they could adopt his law and cast off God's law. And what Saul did was Saul usurped the land. Debt's were no longer canceled every 50 years. The land was no longer, or every seven years, debts were no longer canceled every seven years, and the land was no longer reverted to its rightful owner every 50 years. Saul made it so that all the things that God had instituted in the law to protect the little people, the people who may be on the short end of the financial stick, he removed all of those protections. And what he did, he introduced a new problem in Israel, a problem that they had never had before. The scripture tells us whenever David hid from Saul in the caves in his effort to escape Saul's murderous intent to take his life. Just 40 short years after Saul became king, we find David hiding in the caves. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2, this group of 400 men gathered around him to make him their captain in war. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. They were outlaws because of their debts. It was never supposed to be that way. They were outlaws because they owed a debt they could not pay because in 40 years the debts had never been forgiven. And so the whole situation that David finds himself these men gathering to him that are discontented, that are in debt, that are distressed. That whole situation would have never existed if Israel had followed God's original plan and the debts had been canceled every seven years. The countdown to captivity began when Saul cast off God's laws. When he did, he created a breach between god and his people it culminated 70 sabbaths later that's 490 years when the babylonians finally invaded you know 490 years is a long time it's long enough to think you got away with breaking the law of god it's long enough to think that you know god didn't notice that you quit keeping his law sin works that way judgment is slow not because God doesn't care, but because God is merciful and he gives a space of time for repentance. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to think, you know what, I got away with it. God God didn't even notice. I've I, I slipped that one in. And, and you'll find yourself 490 years later. The nation was so transformed and broken down by sin and idolatry and immorality and greed that it was barely recognizable for what it was when Saul took over. Those 490 years of sin took their toll on the nation of Israel. And in our text tonight, our text takes place as the 70 years of judgment is coming to an end. And God is setting the stage for the return of Israel to her beloved promised land. Ezra has stepped on the scene, and he is anointed by God. And he he returns to Israel with priests and other Jews with a, a promise to turn back the hands of time and restore the former glory of the temple of the Lord. God has raised up a Nehemiah, and he is following in Ezra's footsteps. He's returning with pilgrims and, and a desire to rebuild the walls of the city. Amen. A desire to rebuild that which had been laid to ruin. God has even given Nehemiah the favor of a pagan king, and that pagan king will finance his expeditions and underwrite the rebuilding of Jerusalem In Isaiah. Isaiah has found his prophetic voice and he begins to prophesy about the restoration of Israel. There's a certain feeling in the air. It's evident to everybody that revival is imminent, it's coming. You could just feel it happening. The words are coming over and over from these anointed men of God. It's going to happen. It's about to happen. You're about to see the restoration of the glory of the Lord. Amen. God's about to bring you home uh, and He's about to multiply you and He's about to bless you. uh, And you're about to walk in the goodness and the blessing of the Lord. And, And there was that certain feeling that settled on the nation of Israel. Amen. God was getting ready to do what He had promised He would do. He said, I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm has eaten now uh, amen i'm going to give back to you the things uh, that you've lost uh, i'm going to return to you the years that have been stolen from your life restoration and healing were coming to the people of god isaiah 58 reveals dramatically the key to this process isaiah admonishes the people of god To seek the Lord, to cry out to him, not to forsake his commandments. Remember, they got into this captivity. They got into this situation because they ignored the law of God. They got into the situation because they decided to do things their own way. So Isaiah begins to stress to them how important it is to ask the Lord to show them the right way to delight in the law of the Lord, to delight in the word of God, to delight in approaching God and seeking his face and his favor. And then after he tells them those things, he begins to pronounce blessings upon them. They're going to shine. They're going to grow in strength. The Lord is going to return to them. He will restore the glory and the majesty of the people of God, and he will prosper them in everything that they do. And in the course of that prophecy, drawing on the words of Jeremiah, Isaiah bestows upon them two titles. He says they shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths. Today, you and I live in a world that has cast off the laws of God and is reaping the result of that. I mean, You don't have to read the news for very long there's a whole different level of disrespect in our nation there's a whole different level of of abuse and mistreatment of people and the ideals that were once held so dear the principles that once governed this nation are quickly being cast by the wayside as the world pursues immorality idolatry greed sin in every way and shape and form that man can imagine it many 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 years ago the law of god was broken many 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 years ago the law of god was abandoned and today the world is reaping the effect of that breach that exists between god and man but as a church. We have a kindred calling to that of Nehemiah and Ezra. God has determined to use his church to restore his glory and his majesty in this present world. Amen. I understand he's going to take us out of here one of these days. I understand we're going to walk on streets of gold one of these days. But let me tell you what's going to happen before that happens. Amen. The glory of the Lord is going to come upon the church. uh, And the glory of the Lord is going to be uh, resurrected and manifest in this world. And it's going to happen to the people that are called by his name. God has determined to use the church He's chosen us to be a light in the darkness. He he wants to crown His church with His glory and His majesty. And I believe that we find ourselves today in the same atmosphere that Isaiah prophesied in. There's a certain feeling in the air in much uh, that that, that idea that that it is evident that revival is coming. Uh, It's evident that God's getting ready to do what He said He would do. We've heard preacher after preacher. I know it's been over the course of several years but they stood in this pulpit and they said get ready amen you're going to reap a harvest you didn't plant uh, amen I don't know about you but I hadn't seen that happen yet uh, I believe it's getting ready to happen uh, I believe God's getting ready to do what he said he would do there's that certain feeling in the air that God's getting ready to restore what the cankerworm has eaten uh, God's getting ready to return uh, his glory to the church uh, God's getting ready to restore the year that have been lost he's getting ready to turn loose a revival the likes of which we have only dreamed of those people that followed nehemiah back to jerusalem were embracing a land they had never known 70 years in captivity they were putting their hopes and their dreams into a, a, a dream that they had never really experienced, into a, a reality that they really had never had any personal experience with. They, they lacked the wealth. They lacked the prosperity. They probably even lacked the skill. But they determined to build a city. They determined to rebuild the walls. They determined to build a tabernacle that would be worthy of the glory of the Lord. That tabernacle would never compare to Solomon's tabernacle. But Solomon's tabernacle is gone. And they have determined to build again a temple for the Lord. And that humble temple that they will build will eclipse the temple of Solomon. It'll be crowned with a glory like Solomon's temple never knew because the temple they're going to build in those years of restoration is the temple that Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, is going to walk into that temple. It's a glory the likes of which Solomon's temple never saw. Amen. They invested themselves in a hope they couldn't, they they never really experienced a dream they couldn't understand and something that was beyond them. Amen. They reached out for something that was beyond their grasp. Uh, I believe that God is calling this generation to a place that we've never been before. Amen. I believe he's calling us to embrace a dream that we've never experienced before. Amen. We've heard about old time revival. We celebrated the stories of Brush Harbors. Uh, Amen. I was talking with David. Sunday afternoon uh, about Azusa Street and all the things God did there. He wanted to know about Pentecost. Uh, I gave him a book about Azusa Street. Why? Because that's our heritage. Uh, Amen. And we can talk about what God did uh, at places like Azusa Street. Uh, Amen. We can talk about how God pulled out his spirit. uh, How he moved uh, and how he made himself known. uh, Amen. And how revival spread not just uh, across a few cities uh, but across the entire world. And I believe that God is calling you and I to commit ourselves to a move of God that will far outshine anything he's ever done before. My Bible still says the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. The former rain, how many garden, we, we plant stuff. The former rain is the rain that comes to germinate the seeds. It's the early rain. It's the rain that comes to get the seed up. The latter rain is the rain of harvest. It's the rain that blesses the plant in its productive years or productive days and, and lets it produce and, and gives you that bountiful harvest. You know, we water our gardens. We, we we make the latter rain happen because it don't always happen here in northeast Arkansas. Amen. But that latter rain is the rain you rely on for the harvest. Uh, And what the Bible said was that that former rain was incredible. Uh, Amen. What God has done before, amen, is awesome. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from it. Uh, But what God's going to do in the end uh, is greater than what he's done before. Uh, The latter rain is going to be greater than the former, former rain. There's a harvest coming to the church. Sure, times are different. Sure, it's a it's a different generation. Yes, we're up against a different mindset and a different culture. But God is still God. Amen. And He's still going to do what He said He would do. God can and God will build a church in this last day that will tower far above and beyond anything he has ever done before and I don't know about you but I want to be a part of that amen I don't know about you but I want to stand in that place uh, amen I want to see the glory of the Lord settle upon the house of God uh, I, I could go into stories I've read and I've heard uh, uh, they, they talked about Azusa street uh, amen where the fire of the Holy Ghost fell uh, where everybody who walked through the door of that place uh, was baptized in the Holy Ghost you probably heard the story about the reporter that came uh, amen they worked for uh, the the newspaper I don't know the Los Angeles Times or whatever it was and they came for the sole purpose uh, of exposing Uh, it was going to be an expose Uh, they were going to write a story to trash this thing that was happening uh, in that little mission uh, on the wrong side of town Uh, That used to be a horse table uh, that when it rained smelled like wet dirty horses Uh, amen a preacher uh, who was blind in one eye and just about couldn't see out of the other uh, who wouldn't even look at the congregation but often hid his head under a box while he preached but the bible not the bible the history says that when that reporter walked into that place bound and determined to dig up dirt bound and determined to write an article the next day that would tell how ridiculous it was. The Holy Ghost got a hold of his heart. And he took his pen in hand the next day. And what he wrote was, this thing is real. I don't understand it, but what's happening down there in the zoo's a mission. Uh, it's real, uh, Amen. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but what God is doing, I felt it. Uh, I experienced it for myself, uh, Amen. You can't tell me it's not real, uh, Amen. I went in as a skeptic, uh, but I came out as a believer. He's going to do it again. They said they called the fire department. The a street mission is on fire. People could see the flames licking out of the building all across the neighborhood. And the church people were inside. They called the fire department. The fire trucks rolled. Amen. But when they got there, there was no fire. Amen. Just this manifestation of the Holy Ghost, these blue flames looking out of the building. Uh, amen. It was not natural. Uh, it was not, any. and these are, these are not things I'm making up. Uh, these are things that are documented. They happened. Uh, amen. This is Azusa Street. This is where we come from. This is where the modern Pentecostal movement is born. Uh, amen. And what I'm here to tell you on a Wednesday night is what God did before doesn't compare to what God's going to do again. In the light of that, I want to take a short look at the two titles that are characteristic of the church that God is going to use in that endeavor. Isaiah called the people by two titles or two names. He said, first of all, they'll be repairers of the breach. A breach is the perfect definition of the condition that exists between humanity and God. It speaks of a rupture, a gap, a broken relationship. We live in a world that is separated from the mercy of God and the grace of God by a breach. Amen. There's been a breach upon the the law of God. There's been a breach upon the Word of God. The holy things of God have been disrespected. And it's a breach that results uh, from breaking God's law. It's a breach that results uh, from discarding God's commandments. uh, And it permeates every aspect of this life uh, in this world. Uh, The entire world is affected by that breach. And you and I, if we're going to see the kind of revival that God has reserved for us, We have to embrace the role that he has given us. We are called to be the repairers of the breach. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is our job to stand in the gap uh, and become the bridge uh, between a lost people and heaven. Uh, Amen. To take heaven by one hand uh, and take a lost world by the other hand uh, and bring the two together. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Uh, Amen. It's our job uh, to make up the hedge. Uh, It's our job uh, to stand in the gap. Uh, It's our our job uh, to become a bridge uh, between heaven and earth. The Bible is filled with examples of people who fulfilled that kind of calling. The most striking example is probably Abraham. Abraham stood between God and Sodom, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, pleading not just for the life of his nephew Lot, but for the lives of the whole city. Lord, if you can just, just find a few righteous people, would you spare the city? He could have just pled for the life of his nephew, but he's pleading for a lost city. Adam or Abraham understood that they, they were wicked, they were sinful people. They were people who had rejected everything that was good and holy and godly, but still, he stepped into the gap. And he began to intercede with the Lord God Almighty and said, Lord, can you find enough mercy to spare the city? If you, if you can find 50, if you can find 40, if you can find 30, if you can find 20, if you can just find 10 righteous people, would you spare the city? Moses is another shining example of a repairer of the breach. God was angry with the people that had come out of Egypt. While well, Moses was on the mountain in the presence of God, they had taken their gold and melted it into idols. And they set up those idols, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And the anger of the Lord was kindled. And he told Moses, he said, move out of the way. I'm going to strike them down. And you and I will start all over again with another people. But Moses stepped into the breach. In the most literal sense, he interceded. He said, Lord, if you take their life, take mine too. I'm talking about becoming a repairer of the breach. What this world needs is men and women of God that are willing to lay their lives aside. that are willing to surrender everything they have in order to see a lost people saved. Moses had nothing to gain and nothing to lose. God was going to use him either way. He was righteous. But for a people who had sinned, for a people who had broken every, every commandment and every rule that he had put on them, a people who had disrespected the very God that delivered them, Moses stood in the gap and became the repairer of the breach. Bring in a people who did not deserve it into the mercy of a God who had every right to destroy them. What this world needs is people like that. It needs a church that sees a lost world through the eyes of grace and mercy. A church that sees a lost world not just as as sinners or not just as people who are who are sometimes uncouth and sometimes uh, disrespectful and sometimes they they, they they frown on us and they mock us and they make fun of us or whatever it is, but the repairer of the breach looks past all of that and sees a soul uh, that if it isn't reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ before it's too late, will end up burning in the devil's hell. That's what it means to be a repairer of the breach. Somebody that's willing to set aside your own selfish pursuits. We're so, we we guard our time and we guard our resources and we guard and we we heap those things unto ourselves. But a repairer of the breach pours out their life so somebody else can find life. A repairer of the breach gives of themselves until it hurts to give. So God can use them to reach a lost world. I believe God's looking for that kind of person in this house tonight. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Says, so I sought for a man among them. Who would make a wall. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. So often we ask ourselves why revival tarries. Why it is that we keep hearing that it's coming and we haven't yet seen it come to pass. Many times the answer lies in us. Before the glory of the Lord will be renewed, somebody has to step up and become a repairer of the breach. There has to be somebody, a man or a woman among them who would make the wall, who would stand in the gap, uh, who would stand between the judgment of God uh, and a world that's lost. And God is looking for a man that will make up the wall. God's looking for a man that will stand in the gap. Uh, God's looking for a lady that will bridge the breach, uh, amen, that exists between this world and God. God's looking for a young person uh, that will say, I'll give my life. Uh, I'll pour myself out. Uh, Give everything I have uh, that a lost world can be saved. Until we reach that place, we'll never see the revival that I preached about. Ezekiel portrays to us a God that is reluctant to judge. Leave it up there just a minute. Reluctant to judge, but has no choice. I looked. I sought for an intercessor. I sought for a repairer of the breach that would go before me for the land and I sh- that I should not destroy it. But I found none. I believe it breaks God's heart every time a lost soul slips into eternity. I got to work Tuesday morning, holiday weekend, most of the people that I work with are from Harrisburg, Wiener, Fisher, that area. That's where our company was before it moved to Jonesboro. And there were two high-profile suicides on Monday. One was a 15-year-old boy. The other was a man. People knew him. The people I worked with knew him. It was a devastating thing as they began to talk about it on Tuesday morning, what had transpired I believe it breaks God's heart Every time a lost soul slips into eternity before we reach them, before we touch their lives. Uh, Amen. I believe it breaks his heart. Uh, Amen. He will judge because he's just. He will judge because his judgments are righteous. Uh, But I believe mercy weeps uh, when God looks for a man or a woman uh, to make up the hedge, uh, to step in before it's too late, uh, and fails to find one. Church, I come to tell you on Wednesday night, we have a calling. We are the repairers of the breach. Scripture calls calls the, the people of God a nation of priests. We understand the priesthood was a special thing. There was a man who essentially became the bridge between God and his people. And that man brought heaven and earth into contact with one another. Amen. But God was not satisfied with a a, 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 uh, a certain sect of priests. Uh, he called them a nation of priests, a generation of priests. I believe God's calling every single person at the sound of my voice uh, to become an intercessor, to become a repairer of the breach, uh, to become that one that lays one hand on heaven uh, and one hand on earth uh, and brings the two together. That's our job. We're supposed to stand in the gap. Make up the wall. Make up the hedge. Connect people to God. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you tonight. It's time to take up. Listen. We're all about having good church. Doing this thing right. We do our best to do it well. We practice. We we work hard at And and good music and good sound and and we we put a lot of effort and energy into keeping the church clean and the outside of the building attractive. But I believe the greatest role that we have is that of a repairer of the breach. And we need to be about that business as fervently as we're about any other. Amen. We need to renew ourselves in that role. Become the repairer of the breach. The second thing that Isaiah calls that generation that will see this great revival is the restorer of paths to dwell in. At first glance, it would appear that God wants them to restore paths so folks can live in the paths. But the intention of the original Hebrew was not that paths would become dwellings, but rather that paths would be restored that led To dwellings. Paths that were restored. The paths that were to be rebuilt were the paths that would lead them to dwelling in the land, that would bring them home, uh, that would bring them back into the promise. Uh, amen. They were the paths by which they would obtain the revival that God had promised. Uh, they were old paths. Uh, they were neglected paths. Uh, amen. They had once been well-traveled. Uh, they had once been the road home. Uh, but years of neglect is causing to fall into disrepair. And Isaiah prophesies that the generation that's going to experience a restoration of god's glory will be a generation that restores those paths i want to tell you tonight that if we're going to see the kind of revival that god wants to give us it will be because we restore some old paths i preach that so many times you've heard it over and over and over again but it is still true The same roads that led to revival before are still the only way to get there today. It's a road paved with sacrifice. It's the old path of prayer, fasting, denying myself taking up my cross it's the old path of becoming a student of the word of god studying to show thyself approved unto god it's the old path uh, of denying the flesh Uh, it's the old path uh, of surrendering everything to god Uh, it's the old path uh, of pouring out my life until it hurts as much as the world has changed some things will always remain the same And the paths that lead to revival are still the same today as they ever were. We're going to see the move of God that he longs to give us. We're going to have to make a conscious effort to get back in the old paths. We need to restore things like worship, old-fashioned, Pentecostal worship. It ought to be that there's a difference. It ought to be that there's a difference. It ought to be that what what it looks like in here on a Sunday night isn't what it looks like in the church down the street on a Sunday night. Amen. We need to walk in some old paths. We need to restore paths like righteousness and and holiness and godliness. Uh, We need to restore the path of seeking the anointing of God. Uh, Amen. Of seeking the presence of God. Uh, Of putting that before everything else in our lives. Uh, Amen. You can't sidestep those old paths if you want to see revival we need to be diligent to seek out the path of prayer and fasting seeking the face of God paths like walking with him and fellowshipping with him on a day by day basis because those are the only paths that lead to the restoration of the glory of God upon the house of God so on a Wednesday night I come to tell you that if we're going to fulfill our role, if we're going to see the revival that God has promised us in all of its glory, then we have to become repairers of the breach and restorers of the path. That's what we're called to be. Would you stand with me? I truly believe, Brother Ryan, if you get me a song, I don't care what song, just a song. Well, I mean, besides, you know, Humpty Dumpty or something like that. What, to put the one leg in, one leg out? None of that business. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I truly believe that God has prepared this church for such a time as this. Just like he raised up Ezra. Ezra. Just like he called out Nehemiah, just like he anointed Isaiah, I believe that God has positioned us to become the repairers of the breach, to become the restorers of the paths. And if we'll pursue that, God will move. Listen, it's it's kind of a simple, it's not even rocket science. You put a seed in the ground and water it. And and if the conditions are right, you know, it's not harsh weather. Sun's not to us. Some, some seeds like the sun really hot. Some seeds like the ground really cold. But you find that right temperature and you put the right amount of water on it. There's not a question. It's going to come up. Just one thing follows the other. Amen? Listen, revival follows those who are repairers of the breach. A restorers of the path. And it's just, it's, it's not rocket science. It just happens that way. When you begin to pour out your life, when you begin to stand in the gap, when you begin to build again your altar in your home, when you begin to pursue again the presence of God, amen, revival naturally follows. The old song used to say, we sung it when I was a kid, when the praises go up, the glory comes down. And I, I, I know I always thought about the rain, how that the mist rises from the earth. You, you can't even see it, but it happens on a good hot day that water evaporates, and it gets into the clouds, and and that's where rain comes from. We all understand that. I believe there's something about those old paths that begin to send up something into the heavens. That as long as it's going up, it's going to come back again. God's going to pour it out in a measure beyond anything we understand or comprehend. He's calling the church on a Wednesday night to become a repairer of the breach. To become a restorer of the path. Will you answer the call? Will you take a few moments out of your life on a Wednesday night? Will you bend your knees in His presence and will you tell Him? Here I am, Lord. Show me the gap. Let me stand in the gap. Show me the breach, Lord. Let me stand in the breach. Help me find the old path, God. Get past the weeds and the neglect and the barriers. Help me build again. Restore again. Renew again. Those paths that lead to blessing. Those paths that lead to revival. Why don't you call out to Him right now? I believe He wants to. I believe He wants to commission the church tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but I feel the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. I believe He wants to settle on every heart and every life, and He wants to commission you to become a repairer of the breach, a restorer of the path. Why don't you call that to him right now?